0: Welcome to the Side-by-Side Podcast, where we connect busy female leaders in ministry to the practical resources they need today. We're your co-hosts, and I'm Annie Perdue-Olson.
1: And I'm Heidi Zwart, and today we get to talk strategy. So I know some of you might be fleeing already and thinking, I'm just going to turn this off. I'm going to go in another room. I'm going to run as fast as I can away, and I get that. I, I feel that same way sometimes, but I, I feel like strategy sometimes is kind of like eating your vegetables. Like, you know, it's good for you, but you really don't want to do it. So I think my personal example and the thing, the story that I lean into most often when I'm tempted to run away from strategy was when I was on the church board and our, our leader, the, the chair of the board cast vision. And what he said was, what if? And you know, when somebody says, What if, that you should probably lean in a little closer because something good is coming. And he laid out this audacious goal, like something that was crazy for our church to uh, aspire to at the time. And yet, there was enough hmm, around the table, enough people who were kind of curious about it, that we actually took steps to make that vision happen. And the results were. Unbelievable. Like anything uh, that you can imagine it far surpassed. So, you know, God took that vision and through the strategic plan that we created coming out of that, um, the, the result was, was incredible. Anything beyond what we could have dreamed. Mm -hmm. You know, a God given vision like that,
0: you know, that causes you to lean in, like you talked about leaning in, Mm -hmm. um, and tuning in that kind of a God given vision. Is the kind of vision that inspires people and energizes people. And then it really can have the power to activate us into strategy and be thinking through the different steps that we need to take to be able to get things done. Imagine if, imagine if nobody mm-hmm. in that room would have said, you know, we need to put plans into place to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that vision would have been just simply a memory, an inspiring moment. How many visions are left as just an inspiring moment because they lack
1: strategy? Right. It was a defining moment. There is no doubt. And those of us who were on the board at the time still talk about that, that it was one of those moments where I think back and I think, what would have happened if that vision had stayed in the room? You know, what if we had just said, we'll figure it out as we go, or let's just pray about that. Right. I think that's a common response of churches is, is to pray about Uh, that vision, but then just let it be. And while prayer is absolutely something we need to engage in, it should always be our first step. We Mm -hmm. also need to take those tangible action steps that only we are capable of doing alongside of what God's doing. And without strategy, without a plan, then the vision just stays a vision. And ultimately visions don't change people's lives. Mm -mm. No, actions change
0: people's lives. Plans change people's lives. Results change people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think it is really important to have some sort of strategy in place that helps guide our actions. And yes, we are praying all along the way. And I've seen so many strategies shift over time, too, Mm -hmm. because we get new information, we get new insight. God speaks in a different way. And it's like, we always have to have our ear tuned into the Holy Spirit and what he's saying. And we have to have our feet on the ground doing the things that we know we need to do to make that vision happen. And when you have both those things happening in tandem, in place, the results that you're talking about
1: are possible. Right. Absolutely. And the unique thing about our guest today, is uh, her name is Jennifer Fuller, which I realized I haven't said yet, Um, is that she brings the perspective of the corporate world, the faith world, and now consulting. And for 25 years, she's been able to use that experience in all of these diversity of settings. So she's really uniquely equipped to talk about this topic. So her, her company now is called IX2, which stands for iron sharpens as iron sharpens iron, which I love oh because it's side by side, right? Yes, I love that. <laughs> so she blends both coaching and consulting along with all of her certifications and training to really bring a collaborative um, strategic vision to life. So she is the wind beneath your sails. She is going to push your vision forward into that action category that we all have to take. She's a really engaging communicator, and she understands personalities. She understands communication styles, so she's able to uniquely tailor her delivery and her message to best fit the needs of your team. And on a personal note, she has two boys who are hockey players, so... You know, we kind of connect on that, especially since one is a goalie. So I look forward to sharing this episode with you because I think you're all going to walk away a little more strategic than when you started listening today.
0: And that's even if you don't have a strategic bone in your body, because you can gain strategy skills all along the way. And if we're a leader, if we're leading, then we have to have some of those skills in place, whether it's our strengths or not our strength. Having a a pathway is so important for our people, to be able to know where they're going and how they're gonna get there. And I think Jen has so much wisdom to offer to us on how to be able to create a strategy that will help us realize the God-given vision that each and every one of us as leaders have. So tune in. You will not regret listening
1: to the wisdom of Jen today. Well, Jen, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's so good to see you. You know, we met about 13 years ago, uh, give or take a few years, um, when I had the opportunity to step into a staff role at Eagle Brook Church, and you were actually my boss. But I have to say, I don't like that word boss. Can we call you something else? <laughs> side, side by side. We were side by side. By side. side. There oh, go. I love that. How perfect. And I didn't even plan that. <laughs> so... Jen was our gifts pastor. She was leading our gifts ministry. And um, in that world, it really was about uh, recruiting volunteers. Mm -hmm. And do you recall how many campuses there were to manage at that time? Yeah. When I came
2: on staff, we had just opened um, our third campus. And when I left,
1: we had six campuses. Amazing. And is it nine or 10 now? I've lost track. Something like that. (laughs) Something like that, right? So you can see the need for strategy when we're talking about this exponential multi-site growth happening as quickly as it was. And Jen was a master in that, in managing um, those different campuses and staffing for those, uh, those needs every single weekend. So um, it's an honor to, to talk with you today and to talk strategy well, thank you for having me. I so loved having the opportunity
2: to work with you when we were on staff together, and am excited about what you're going to bring to other
1: women that are in ministry. Oh, thank you. I, I hope that uh, that it is helpful to many women who are in ministry who are tend to be relational sometimes over strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to note from you because your background was not in ministry. So how did you land in a church setting?
2: Yeah, it was, that was not my background. I actually spent 13 years in corporate at a local medical device company here in Minneapolis. It was a fantastic company. To work for. The leadership I experienced was top-notch. They were at the time really invested in developing younger leaders, which I benefited from greatly at the time. I really had no plans of leaving, but was approached to consider and apply for a role on staff at our church where I was already very involved. And so as I prayed about it, I had decided to go through that interview process but mainly because I was about 90% sure God was going to close that door. So (laughs) needless to say, I
1: ended up on staff, um, full-time ministry for almost eight years. That's amazing. It's one of my favorite attributes of God is his sense of humor. And he often leads us where we had the least expectations we'd ever land. Exactly. <laughs> so that's quite a transition. So when you when you did make that transition, what were some of your observations, particularly early on about the differences in a corporate environment versus a ministry setting? That's a great question. First
2: off, I, I would say I think both worlds can learn from each other so much. But specifically what I think I realized early in my transition is that corporate navigates conflict much differently than the world of ministry. I had to learn how to lead with relationships first before I could step into or approach any kind of conflict. And I would say even in the consulting work I do today, Heidi, I see ministries continue to shy away from conflict or avoid hard conversations because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Mm. Uh, But ultimately, I just find that ends up complicating things in the end.
1: Yeah, that's so true. We are tend to to approach everything uh, very nicely and that Mm -hmm. the idea of hurting people's feelings doesn't go over well um, in most settings. But I think particularly there's a different level of expectation in the church. So when you brought that kind of background with you, what kind of reception did you get? Well, initially that I was pushy.
2: (laughs) And too focused on process. But I will say, Heidi, that I think ministry softened my leadership style uh, in ways that are still very positive today. But I had to learn how to take all of that head knowledge and book knowledge and training that I knew could be helpful and be used somewhere. But I had to translate that into a language that was more relational. Hmm.
1: So that is, I can hear the strategic piece coming through already. It's about uh, taking what you're observing and paving a new path forward. And sometimes that also requires a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. What did you have to adjust in your own mindset in order to approach your team or the teams that you were working with? Yeah, I, I would say there were two different real paths
2: for me. My direct team that I worked with from the start was fantastic. I think the challenge for me was adjusting my approach with those outside my team, because the people on my team got to know me. We were together every day. They knew my heart and that my desire to bring strategy to the church was for the people and not just to make their life harder or create more work. And so I think the biggest change I had to make was simplifying my communication. Hmm. Coming from a highly matrixed corporate role, I was used to a lot of acronyms, a lot of complexity, constant competing and converging strategies across teams. And as I transitioned into ministry, what I realized is all of that language and all of the acronyms that were just so ingrained in me after 13 years was a complete foreign language to this new team. So I needed to first step back, learn their language, and then discern how all of the experiences
1: and knowledge I had learned could fit or not fit for that matter. I think it's such an interesting point that you make that every setting we're in, whether it's corporate or ministry, or now consulting for you has its own, its own language that there's a jargon we use in the Christian world. And in a lot of churches, we have to be very careful not to use that on the weekends so that we don't alienate right. people. But it's interesting that you talk about it from a staff perspective as well, that you had to learn a different way of communication.
2: Yeah. And it, it took time.
1: Mm-hmm. But ultimately,
2: I think it made me a more well-rounded leader as well.
1: Ab- absolutely. Having to adapt to your communication style with people and with teams and even an organization at large. Why do you think it is so important for churches and ministry teams to be strategic? Why should that rise to the top of the priority list? Yeah,
2: that's my favorite question. (laughs) Uh, I love when people ask that question. I think churches and ministries have the most important job in the world, and especially right now with everything going on. We get to bring the hope and the good news of Jesus to people. And so to. To do that with prayer and strategy and purpose makes us more effective. And I've seen firsthand how thinking strategically doesn't take away from the vision, but rather it brings that vision of people knowing Jesus into focus, and it helps us gain momentum in that. I think it also prioritizes the things that really matter to us as leaders and to our team. And thinking strategically and stepping out of the day-to-day can really allow us as leaders to proactively manage our time rather than we've all been stuck in that cycle of being reactive and responding to what's in front of us. And so it gives the opportunity to step out of that and reassess.
1: Yeah, as you're talking about that, the picture in my head that keeps coming to mind is this funnel or a filter. And it's sort of like... Having a strategy is like being able to dump a whole bunch of stuff in the top and having a, a, a narrow focus in terms of what you're going to pursue going forward. Yeah. So that you can have a kingdom impact. Right. And that's the ultimate goal, right? <laughs> so what prevents, what do you think is the biggest prevention for churches being strategic? What's getting in the way? Yeah. I think fear.
2: Hmm. Once we put a plan on paper, it, it feels real. It brings a new sense of accountability. And I think fear can sound different. It can sound like, I don't want to be tied to a plan. I want to let the spirit lead me. I don't want to be tied down. And so I am a firm believer that one, strategic plans or strategic ideas are working plans. They're active, living, breathing plans are changing with the leader, with the team, with the organization. If they're not, they are a dusty binder on the shelf, which most of us have from past <laughs> planning sessions. And then two, I would say when I facilitate strategic planning, we incorporate prayer. We invite the Holy Spirit into that process. So it's not an either or, um, but we're able to really listen to God's leading and God's direction, while also creating a, a roadmap for where we want the ministry to go.
1: Yeah. And as you're speaking again, because I know you, I know that one of your Clifton strengths or your strengths finder strengths is strategic. Yes. So you have a natural talent for being strategic. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball to you here. What, <laughs> how do you think somebody who doesn't have a a uh, strength, a spirit, like a natural inclination to being strategic. How can they, in fact, be strategic? Right. It's a great question. I think part of it is being
2: open to inviting other people into the conversation, into the planning process, who bring that strategic mm-hmm. strength. I think, you know, you you started talking about my initial role in ministry was helping to develop those volunteers, and each of them bring just like our leaders, such a different and unique set of gifts and strengths um, that rather than trying to work uphill, find someone who has those
1: strengths and invite them to come alongside you. I could not have answered that better myself (laughs) (laughs) and I'm a strengths coach. So that was so well said. I think that's the value of working in as a team is that Mm -hmm. when you don't naturally have a strength in an area it's the perfect time to bring somebody alongside with you. And you started by saying, you know, we were working side by side. Mm -hmm. And it's true because while you were leading the team, you needed the other strengths of the people that you were working with in order to fully be able to use your strategic gift. Exactly.
2: And I've been around teams where someone might say, well, just think more strategically. And that's, that's not feasible for most people. It'd be like saying, you know, go be this or go be that. And if that's not ingrained or you don't have that experience, um, it can it can feel like you're bumping up against a wall. And so I think rather than feeling like you have
1: to change, how can you invite other people to help you? Yeah, very very good. And I'm going to go back to something you said about the fear of. Mm-hmm putting a plan into place. I think one of my strengths is responsibility. And it resonated with me when you said that, because there is a level of responsibility that I feel when something, when I say I'm going to do something. So I can see where on a larger scale that could feel very daunting, not only to an individual, but to a team. Right. Right.
2: One of the things I really encourage leaders to do, whether it's you know creating a new strategy or a formal strategic plan, is come back to it every 90 days. Give yourself permission, especially in those first 90 days, give yourself permission to see what you learn, to see what you know bumps up against your team and um, others as you're implementing. And so I think to come back to it and give yourself permission to
1: make adjustments along the way um, can help kind of calm some of those fears. I've read it uh, somewhere in all of this, this crazy season of COVID that we're in right now, that that is a, a really important point for organizations right now, is to stick with about a 90 day plan instead of the yearly plan that um, might be part of our normal cadence. Mm-hmm. And that would be true for the church as well as they're continuing to adapt to whatever the future will bring. Exactly. So if you know somebody needs to be more strategic in their next step, where, where do they start? What's the starting place? Uh, That's a good question. Again, I think what I've learned
2: is simplicity. Uh, Mm -hmm. Simplify where you can. And so I use a very simple strategic process. Why, what, and how. And really what's key about that is the order. And so why is where I tell everyone to start. So why does your team, why does this um, group, why does this organization exist? What problem are you uniquely solving? And then what are your values you're gonna use to solve it. And then we move to what, what are your strategic priorities and how do you know if they're working? And little hint, they should point back to your why and why you <laughs> exist and the values you have. Um, but really my passion is incorporating the third piece, which is how hmm. and over and over again, this is where I see it. 80% of plans fail because great ideas are just that. They're great ideas. And so taking the plan itself and breaking it into manageable steps with owners and timelines and while many people would say that doesn't sound like a real glamorous part of the planning <laughs> process, it is the make or break where I see progress happen.
1: I'm a fan of having a, a steps, like multiple steps that a team can follow, that an individual can follow and that how is really sticking with me Um, because from a behavior change perspective, unless you actually change something, you can know a whole lot, but without that action step, which is the how it's going to fail. Right. And it gives you
2: two opportunities. You can look at the owner's, of each step and as a leader reminding yourself I don't have to own all this mm. um, and in fact because I know you're a strengths coach you can assess where are the other strengths on your team <laughs> um, how can you better leverage those but then also the timelines we tend to want to do everything yesterday mm. and so being realistic and setting timelines can also be a way to take that fear out of the plan because you really don't have to have everything done tomorrow and it allows you um to sequence and to
1: create steps that allow the plan to become actionable. Great point. Absolutely great point. I think we do want to rush forward always. And then that creates stress. And so even though the strategic piece isn't always super glamorous, it actually, I hear you saying it actually prevents stress down the road. For sure. So if you were to narrow all of that down to one step, right? Talking about those those little tiny bites that people can take. What would you encourage somebody to do? Something they can do today?
2: Yeah, I would go back to something that I've already alluded to, which is find people around you that can help you begin the process. So whether that's formal strategic planning or just thinking more strategically about a problem you're trying to solve, I don't think that's an individual process. And then As the leader, as you define the team around you, uh, if you can, bring in someone from outside because they can take on that role of facilitation and also manage the administration of documenting your plan or next steps so that you as the leader can actually participate in the discussion and have your voice heard. And I would say bringing someone in from the outside also allows allows that person to sometimes ask the really hard questions that as the leader of the team, maybe you can't. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, find your people, find your experts, and don't be afraid to stumble a little along the way. I think strategy is both uh, science and an art.
1: If you have uh, heard anything today, you've certainly heard the strategic bent that Jen has. So I hope everybody who's listening um, has been able to get a glimpse of the strength that Jen is able to bring to a team. And I'm really excited to point our listeners to you as a consultant if they need to bring in outside help. We're going to put a link to your website and to your business in our show notes um, because I do hope that that outside vision that you can provide for a team is helpful to those who need it. Well, thanks, Heidi. It's been really
2: fun to catch up with you and to see and hear all that you're doing. So thanks for letting me share today.
1: Absolutely. And I've had this silly little thing going through my head as we've been talking. Um, you know that that phrase that says, give peace a chance. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to say, give strategy a chance. <laughs> <laughs> like, just try it on. You'll like it. <laughs>
2: It is, I always say, with all of the teams I work with, I say, this is going to be hard, easy. Mm. You put in the hard work up front so that as a leader and your team and your team members can have an easier time knowing what to focus on down the road.
1: I love that. And you close with my favorite little phrase there, so that, right? It's because everything that you do makes a difference on the, on the back end. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for helping us be a little bit more strategic today and blessings on your business as you continue to help so many. Thanks, Heidi. You have been listening to the Side by Side
0: podcast with Annie Purdue Olson and Heidi Swart. Hey, subscribe so that you don't miss out on the practical and tactical tips that we as women leaders need. Because there's one thing we know, when we are connected with other experienced leaders, we fuel our confidence, we have better clarity, and we expand the creative possibilities in accomplishing our mission. So share a comment and let us know what's on your mind. To get access to more practical resources from each of our guests, check out our website, sidebysidepodcast.online.